As we uh, started to think and prepare ourselves for Christmas last week, I mentioned that there are five uh, songs in the Bible that are directly associated with Christmas. They're actually uh, kind of outbursts of worship uh, that are sort of memorialized in songs in the scriptures. And last week we we looked at Hannah's song, uh, which talked uh, about the coming king. It's the first direct reference in the Bible to the anointed king uh, who unmistakably turns out to be none less than Jesus as history begins to unfold. Hannah lived about a thousand years before Christmas. And, uh, you know, only God can reveal the future. One of the great things about the Bible is the Bible tells us what's going to come. And then when we see things unfolding, uh, it gives us that confidence that God's word uh, really is from God. And so I suggested to you last week that when Christmas actually gets into your soul, one of the things that changes is that you begin to live with a sense of expectation. You begin to live with a sense of anticipation because you're looking forward to the promises that God has made about Jesus, especially coming back again uh, to fulfill and to finish kind of what he started when he came uh, at Christmas time. And so there's a day coming when the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of God. And so you might ask yourself as we prepare for Christmas, uh, just ask yourself as we approach Christmas, you know, is there something deep down inside of you that creates a sense of anticipation and expectation about the future? And is it strong enough to make you an optimist rather than a pessimist? That even in the midst of the tough things that come to us in the course of this life, we have such optimism about the future because God has made such wonderful promises about Jesus coming back and straightening out everything we hate about this life. What a great day that's going to be. And uh, because that's true and because we believe it, I think we Christians, of all people, have the privilege of being optimistic uh, about the future, no matter what it looks like in the course of our generation or our little lifetime. And so this morning, now we come to the second song, and I want to invite you to focus with me on uh, Mary's song. Uh, Mary... As I read uh, uh, the story, you know, as she anticipates uh, becoming the mother of Jesus. And uh, Mary, uh, after that encounter with the angel, we read in the next verse, she runs off uh, to be with her relative, Elizabeth. And uh, she stays there for about three months. And um, when when Elizabeth sees her, uh, she says in verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And I would tell you, blessed is anybody who believes that what the Lord has said to us will be accomplished. And uh, once Mary believed and took God at his word and believed that what God said to her would in fact be accomplished, um, she kind of bursts out again in this kind of outburst of worship. And uh, we have it recorded for us here in Luke chapter 1. And so I think you could say that Christmas got into Mary's soul. When Christmas comes to your soul, I think we could safely say Christmas got into Mary's soul. And um, when she said yes to God, in verse 38, you remember she says, I am the Lord's servant, be it done unto me according to your word. I belong to you, I believe you, this is what you want, take my life and uh, let it be consecrated to you. When Mary said that, could it be? Because, back in verse 28, that when the angel spoke to her, when God spoke through the angel to Mary in verse 28, 
Here's what God said to her. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. And then in verse 30, same thing. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Can I tell you that when Christmas gets into your soul, you are favored by God. You sense that you are favored by God. When Christmas gets into you, when you realize that Jesus came into this world for you, because God loves you, you are favored by God. And when you kind of look into your soul, look into the way you think, the way you feel about yourself, the way you make choices, does it come from a place where you recognize the favor of God on your life through faith in Jesus Christ? Because that's why he came. And so it's repeated here in the Bible. And so when Christmas gets into your soul, you realize you have been favored by God. And you realize that Jesus came to be our Savior and that instead of God hating you, God loves you. You're favored by God. Instead of God rejecting you, God wants you. He wants you to be with him for all of eternity. And instead of God you know, turning his back on you, which we all deserve... He comes to us disguised as a human being. He empties himself of his glory. He humbles himself. He becomes a man so that we're not afraid of him. And he approaches us in the person of Jesus Christ. You are highly favored. When Christmas gets into your soul, you realize that you are favored by God. Now, Mary can't help but burst into worship. And I would say that the same thing would happen to anybody who realizes deep down inside in their soul that they are in fact favored by God. That you can't help but worship. That, that, that there can't be a better gift in life than to be favored by the Creator. Favored by God. I mean, what an awesome gift Christmas really is. And so Mary, recognizing that she's favored by God... You know, Mary was just a humble teenager. She was just a humble, normal teenager who realized she was favored by God and um, chosen to serve, you know, by becoming the mother of the anointed one and so forth. And so she bursts out with this kind of worship. In the first couple of verses here, verse 46 and 47, Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior, in God my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit, my soul, the word for soul is psyche, right? It's the non-material part of us, right? That, that, that uh, not our bodies, but our souls, how we think, how we feel, how we make choices. My soul glorifies the Lord. And there's nobody bigger, better, nobody can make me as happy as the Lord, my soul just magnifies who God is in my life, you know, and my spirit, the word there is pneuma, you know, and um, my spirit rejoices. It fills me with joy to be favored by God. What, what could make a person happier than to know that the God of the universe smiles at you when you deserve his rejection? What could make you happier in the deepest part of your being, in your spirit? My soul glorifies God. My spirit is filled with joy. My spirit is the core of who I am, and my soul gives expression to what's in my spirit. 
And uh, deep down inside Mary's spirit, the Lord made her the happiest person in the entire world. I'm favored by God. And I say, is there anything more significant that could make you happier than knowing that God favors you? And uh, knowing that that's why Jesus came. But look at what makes this kind of rejoicing really possible. Uh, If you don't have that kind of rejoicing in your life, I think perhaps it's because we never stop to think, who would you be without God's favor? Who would you be if God didn't favor you? Well, you'd pretty much be nothing and nobody. And so look what Mary says next. She says, my my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? Well, because he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You know what prepares you for having a spirit that can really rejoice and be happy and be filled with joy? Humility. Humility. Recognizing apart from God's favor, if God is against me, I'm dirt. I have no hope of anything if God is against me. I'm nothing. I'm toast. But if God favors me, if God loves me enough to sacrifice his perfect son on Calvary's cross, there is a joy that comes into our spirit to know that the God of the universe values us, favors us, so much so that he's willing to pay a huge price in order to buy us back to himself. And so Mary, I think, realizes I'm a nobody without God, without God's favor. I'm just this humble servant. And uh, Mary, you know, uh, was serving God. She was a Jewish person, and uh, she was trying to serve God. She calls herself a servant. I'm just a humble servant. I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do and so forth. Uh, But here's the problem. You could never earn God's favor by being a servant. No matter how hard you try to serve, God's favor comes as a gift. You can't earn it. And when Mary recognized that she was favored by God through this gift of Christmas, if you will, when Christmas got into her soul, it changed her at a deep level. It transformed her life. And she couldn't help but be filled with this worship, you know. And uh, it's because Jesus came at Christmas, and Christmas got into Mary's soul. And you'll notice that Uh, Also, in this um, passage, I think this is significant. Mary, you know, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary recognizes her need for a Savior. This is significant. There are some people who think that Mary is a Savior. That's a misunderstanding. Mary says, I need a Savior. I'm just nothing without Christmas. I'm nothing without the favor of God. I'm just this normal, humble, serving teenager, but never confident that I could ever make it with God on the basis of my own serving. And uh, she becomes blessed because God becomes her savior. He rescues her from being nothing to being something, like he does for all of us when he favors us through the Christ of Christmas. And then... um, Mary says this. She says, you know what? From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And of course, every generation that looks to Jesus Christ will be thankful that Mary accepted the role God had for her because our Savior came through her. And uh, we call her blessed because she surrendered to God. She submitted to God. If you honestly uh, 
if you think about, you know, the fact that um, service, no matter how good of a person you are, no matter how hard you try to please God, you will never be able to do it uh, to reconcile yourself with God through your own efforts. And uh, if, 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 you, if you miss Christmas coming into your soul, it'll probably be because you think you're a pretty good person and that it's a, it's a great favor to God for him to have me. And you'll be mistaken. And you'll miss the joy of Christmas. And I think it's significant that Mary recognized, you know, that she was a servant. She was doing her best to serve God. She was living the best life she could. But she needed a savior to pull her up from being nothing to being a child of God. And Christmas began to uh, come into her soul and it changed everything. And I just worry that, you know, because I hear this so often, you know, that people think that someday when they die, they'll be able to stand before God and make a case for themselves without reference to Christ. Without, I don't really need that big sacrifice that you made for me. I'm really not that bad. I should be acceptable to you on my own merits. And I would tell you that even Mary, the mother of Jesus, recognized her need for a savior. And um, Mary was humble. She was, uh, you know, the idea of humility is undeserving. I'm undeserving. And Mary recognized she didn't deserve the favor of God. It came to her as a gift, as it comes to anyone. And so uh, when we think about this, uh, I just think that pride and humility are a theme that you can trace through the whole history of mankind. And humility, uh, on many occasions, is a prerequisite of the blessing of God. And pride is often presented as a hindrance to experiencing the blessings of God, both in this life and in the life to come. And so um, Jesus, in fact, when he was here, said in Matthew chapter 13, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever thinks they can make it with God without Jesus, the Christ of Christmas, you know, will be humbled and brought down. And then Jesus said, and whoever humbles himself, and I always think, oh, this is something you and I have to choose. And if we don't choose it, God will help us, I think, on numerous occasions, you know, uh, to be humble. But it's something that God invites us to choose. Like, think of yourself soberly. Who are you? As we came to the communion table, that God would have to do this on behalf of any of us. Who really are we? Uh, compared to the God who made us to be like himself and how far we've fallen. And, um, and so uh, Mary recognizes, not just in her own personal life, but I think she recognizes uh, this as a theme of God and how he operates through the course of history. So she goes on. She says, from now on, you know, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The mighty one has done great things for me. Mary is undeserving. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates Mary considered herself sinless. She's undeserving, she's humble, yet she's favored by God. And so I say that when Christmas gets into your soul, you and I will be, have an understanding of what it means to be favored by the living God. And it'll be priceless to us. And it'll, it'll be a motivator in our spirits to utter worship. Uh, like these five uh, songs. And so um, 
when she says this in, in verse uh, 49 there, she says, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Can you relate to that? Could that be your song this Christmas? The mighty one has done great things for me. Could you say those same words? Could you say, wow, the God of the universe has favored me in Christ. He's done great things for me. Uh, when Christmas gets into your soul, and I, uh, you know, you begin to think, you know, have you ever tried to like make a list of the great things God has done for you? Like his forgiving you for your past, like his promises about the future, uh, his uh, guilt-free uh, life, reducing the anxiety in our lives, knowing that we have a father who's overseeing our lives and that, you know, uh, everything that happens in our life has a purpose and it's filtered through him and he, he has a reason for it and, and so on and so forth. Could you say with Mary this morning, God, the almighty one, has done great things for me. I mean, these gifts of Christmas, these spiritual kinds of gifts of Christmas, God has done great things for me because I am favored by him. And I, I hope that you would say these words uh, with uh, Mary for Christmas. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. This isn't just another person. This is holy means set apart. The name of God is something that signifies somebody entirely different, somebody much higher than us. You know, and he has favored us, and he is the one who has done great things for us. Holy is his name. His name is unique. It's not like any other name. And you remember back in verse uh, 37, nothing is impossible with God. He could even favor my life. Nothing is impossible with this God. Holy is his name. And you notice here that as the angel comes and tells Mary this good news and, and so on and so forth, there's nothing in Mary, at least that we read in the scriptures here, that says, hey, well, what about my plans? Hey, what about my wedding? I got this big plan. I'm going to marry Joseph. And, you know, I've got plans for my wedding. This is going to really interrupt things. This is going to really change my whole life. This, you know, I know I'm favored and I know and I love being favored. It's the best gift I could possibly have. But, you know, what about my reputation now? What about my life? Everything's going to be different. And you know, when you begin to think about this, um, Mary doesn't probably recognize it right at the front end, but because of this being favored by God, she's going to have to watch her own son be crucified on a cross. Because of this great favor that comes from God, she's going to have to watch as her whole Jewish community turns against her son, tries to trap him, tries to bring him down, hates him because of her favor from God. She's going to have to leave town and go down to Egypt and hang out there for a while because the king actually wants to kill her son. What does it mean to be favored by God? And is it really the deepest, happiest blessing that we could have? And I begin to think about this and, and how important it would be for Mary to have this deep sense of being favored by God because when the times got hard in her life, it certainly wouldn't feel like she's being favored by God. Can you relate to that? You say, oh yeah, Pastor Dave, you're telling me I'm favored by God. But you know what? Let me tell you what just happened in my life. Let me tell you what's going on with me. Let me tell you the circumstances of my life. Sure doesn't feel like I'm being favored. And if you don't have that deep sense of belief, and I think that's why Elizabeth says to her, you know, in that verse 45, blessed 
are you because you believe that what the Lord has said to you will be accomplished. If you don't have that deep sense of what God is doing in the bigger picture and you limit your understanding of God to just your own personal experience, and you don't have that sense of God's favor in your life, there's going to be those times in your life where you say, I don't believe this anymore. And unless you, uh, you know, take this for real and, and allow it to get down into your spirit, into your soul, unless Christmas comes to your soul, you'll miss the blessing. Because your life on the surface will challenge, uh, just like Mary's life was challenged. Mary would need to keep this deep sense of God's favor in order for her to be faithful and to endure the hardship of a world that rejects her son. And you and I have the same problem. It's great to be favored by God. There's nothing that can fill your spirit, animate your soul than being favored by God. But the world rejects its God, its creator. And it's a challenge. And if you don't have that deep sense, if Christmas doesn't get into your soul, there will be those times where you just won't believe it. And so Mary, you know, in in these verses from 46, you know, through 49, I think um, Mary kind of reveals her soul. This is what's going on personally inside of Mary. When Christmas gets into your soul... And uh, it's great to be able to see how her personality, you know, was affected. And Christmas, when it got into her soul, transformed her life. It changed her on a very deep level. It was deep. And you, too, can experience the favor of God. And it will transform your understanding. It will change your soul, your understanding of yourself. And this favor of God can become the cornerstone of our identity. It's the good news of the gospel. God's favor through Jesus can become the defining marker. You know, if somebody says, well, who are you? I am somebody who's been favored by God through coming to know Jesus Christ, his son. But then Mary turns, um, and and the second part of uh, her uh, burst of worship here gets bigger than just herself. And now she's thinking kind of on a macro level. And uh, in verse 50, she says, hey, His mercy extends to those who fear him. This isn't just for me. His mercy extends to anybody who will take him seriously, to anybody who will believe him. That's why he came into the world, to be the world's savior. And his mercy extends to anyone. And Mary's just celebrating God here. And, you know, as you read through this, you immediately get the sense that Mary was very familiar with the scriptures. In fact, most of this are quotes from the Old Testament, especially from the Psalms. She strings together in God's words, you know, this outburst of worship that she has because she's so familiar with the Old Testament. And, And what happens is if you know the Bible, if you allow the Bible to get into your heart, you, like Mary, are able to take the long view. You're able to see that your part is part of something much bigger than just you. You know, a lot of times people try to understand God, not from the scriptures, but from their own experience. Something will happen in their life, and they don't have the long view because they don't know God's word. And so without the long view, you're trying to understand God in the context of just your own little life or your own generation. And, and you get all mixed up, and you say things that aren't true, and you, 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 know, you put things together in a way that's just based on... Because you only have this little short view... Mary understood, I'm part of something that's much bigger. My life fits into a context that's connected to eternity and to the great plan of God from the beginning of time to the end of time. 
And, and because it's because she knew the scriptures. And uh, her song here, you know, a lot of it is quotes from the Old Testament. It's obvious that God's word was hidden in Mary's heart. So when she bursts out in worship that comes from her soul, she speaks the language that's already in her heart because she put God's word in her heart. And so the Bible is always, God is always telling us, you know, read his word, listen to his word, meditate on his word, study his word, memorize his word until the word gets into your heart. And uh, Colossians says, you know, the word of God dwells richly in our hearts. That's, that's God's way so that we can, and Mary's an example of this. And so she knows that God's mercy extends to those who fear him. And look what she says, from generation to generation. This isn't just about my generation. This is about my little life. This is something that God has been doing from the beginning of time. This is all part of a plan, very meticulous plan. A plan that's all been worked out by God. She can take the long view. In fact, if you just uh, turn to Matthew's uh, account of Christmas, I always find it interesting. In, in the very first you know, page of the whole New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, there's the names of people that connect Jesus to Abraham. Starts with Abraham and uh, connects all the way down to Jesus Christ. This is Matthew's story of Jesus. And I love the 17th verse. Listen, listen to this. Thus there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. So from the time of Abraham, when God first made a promise to bless all the people in the world through sending an anointed one, a Messiah, uh, there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. There were 14 generations from David to the exile in Babylon when the Israelites were you know, kicked out of Israel. And then there were 14 more generations from the exile to Christ. God is in control. This is a very precise, I mean, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, Jesus. Abraham to Jesus. It's all timed out. It's all, you know, planned by God. And, and I think when you have the long view and you have the scriptures uh, and you take them serious and you don't limit your understanding of God uh, to just your own experience, uh, it's such a rich blessing. And Mary was able to do that. And so Mary understood her life to be a part of something much bigger, the unfolding plan of God. She knew God's ways. She knew God's reputation. She knew what God's values are. And, uh, and, and because of that, um, she's able to say things like this. She goes on and she says, you know, uh, God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Here's this humility, pride theme that she sees all through the Old Testament. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. Here we go again with that theme, see? Um, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. And uh, she wraps up with, with that whole thought about um, Israel. And so, again, uh, this theme of pride and humility, and the, the history of Israel and uh, the deeds of God. And uh, I love this in verse 51 where she says, you know, um, God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God is aware of us at our deepest level, at the spirit level. That's why the Bible says if you're going to ever worship God, you have to worship him in spirit. It's got to be real. You can't fake that. This outburst of Mary's worship is coming from a very deep, real spot in her life. And uh, you have to worship God in spirit and in, and in truth because God is aware of what's going on at the deepest level of our life. 
And uh, when she goes on here and she says, um, you know, he's brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. I don't know. Maybe she's thinking about uh, the exodus from Egypt when God brought down Pharaoh and had this bunch of slaves out of which he made the nation of Israel. Uh, Maybe she's thinking about King David and some of the uh, wars that have uh, happened in his day and so forth. And, you know, and but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Uh, And again, the people of this world, right, often proud, often arrogant against God. Uh, You know, at Christmas time, sometimes this whole, you know, uh, it just people keep talking about it like nobody uses the word Christmas. Anyway, it's the holidays. And everybody's afraid to just, you know, wish somebody a a happy Merry Christmas and wish Christ on people. Uh, And everything's gotten to kind of be toned down to be politically correct. Uh, And yet, um, you know, the God of the universe, you know, he hates that pride, that pride of kind of keeping our arms away from him, keeping him at arm's distance is what keeps people from the blessings that God wants to so richly give us. And uh, Mary saw all of this and she was able to know that God would be the same in the future. He's the same yesterday, today and will be forever. And so, um, I don't know, maybe she was thinking about the Romans while she was alive and the Romans occupied Israel and, and uh, the future that God has promised in the Old Testament and the New that someday Jesus will come back and rule the world from Zion and uh, from Jerusalem. And uh, maybe she's thinking about that. I don't know. But there's a theme that runs through the Old Testament. If you think about the different people that God has blessed all through the Old Testament, if you think about Joseph, think about how he was humbled by his family and then lifted up by God. Think about Moses and how Moses tried to serve God in his own strength and then was humbled by God, and then God rose him up. And you can just go through this whole theme about pride and humility through the whole Old Testament. Joshua, Gideon, Ruth, Hannah last week, embarrassed, shamed because she couldn't have a child. You know? And then God humbled by that situation, and then God exalts her, lifts her up, and she... Uh, is significant in the chain that leads all the way to Christ. David, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says. They'll be blessed forever. And then the closing thoughts here. uh, She turns her thoughts to Israel. um, uh, Verse 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Forever. God made some promises to Abraham about the people of Israel that haven't been fulfilled yet. And, uh, you know, they're very much alive, uh, those promises. And God made these promises to Israel because he made promises to um, Abraham and his descendants. I don't think it's um, insignificant that this past week, almost 140 nations at the United Nations voted against Israel, all except for the United States and Britain in acknowledging the statehood of the Palestinians in the land that God gave to Israel. And it's exactly, again, as the Bible says, is going to happen someday at the end. You know, Israel's going to stand alone. We've got almost 140 nations who voted against Israel this week at the United Nations, kind of on the, on the world stage. I don't think it's insignificant. And again, it's that deep favor of God that sustains us. God's choosing of um, Israel for their task, you know, has not made it easy for them. I always think of the uh, Fiddler on the Roof. You remember the musical Fiddler on the Roof and old Tevye there? He says, you know, I know you've chosen us, but can't you choose somebody else for once in a while? You know, because think of being favored and being chosen doesn't mean blessing. 
in this life in the way that we normally like to think about it. And we realize that what's happening, you know, is really the unfolding of the ancient promise that God made to Abraham that's still working its way out in our day. And because Mary was able to take the long view, because she knew the scriptures, she was able to understand what's happening in her personal life correctly. And she was able to give herself in a way that God could accomplish his purposes through her. And so, again, Elizabeth praises Mary. Uh, I love that verse, uh, verse 45. Blessed, you know, is she who has believed what the Lord has said uh, to her will be, in fact, accomplished. When Christmas gets into your soul, you understand and come to believe to the point of worshiping that you are favored by God, no matter what your personal circumstances might look like at any given time. It's a great gift of Christmas. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these uh, kind of outbursts of worship because we recognize that something deep happens in us when Christmas gets into our souls. That it isn't just a a surface kind of thing, but uh, you change us from the inside out. You fill our spirits with joy. Mary was filled to rejoicing. And so she had this great appreciation. But when we think, Father, about how her life unfolds, we think about the pain that came into her life, the sword, the Bible says, that pierced her soul because of this favor that you put on her and how the world, Father, because it's against you, becomes against those whom you favor. Uh, May we just be mindful, Father, of this great transformation at the deepest part of our being so that we could hold on by faith to Jesus Christ in such a way that will enable us to navigate through the storms of our life without losing the faith that comes to us when Christmas actually does get into our souls. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask our uh, ushers now if they would come forward as um, uh, we continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and our offerings this morning. The song that we are going to sing during the offering today is from the, the nativity story of how great our joy. And it's talking about the shepherds and the chorus part of it.